A few weeks ago, literally, I got a nice surprise because uh, I came back to where I parked my car. It's actually uh, at the office at Manchester Airport. And somebody had placed um, a yellow, this yellow bag on my thing. And they'd written on it, parking, fine. So, well, that's nice. Somebody has thought, this guy has parked his car so well, we should compliment on it. Uh, unfortunately, when I opened it, it doesn't say parking fine, it says parking fine. So that was quite an unpleasant surprise. But then uh, in the same month, I got this letter, actually two weeks before Christmas, that's from uh, the tax man, tax office, and it says, it's addressed to me, and it says, tax calculation for this year, you have paid too much tax. We owe you, and then some hundreds of pounds. So that was a nice surprise. Not a nice surprise, nice surprise. And actually, if there's one that we can be certain of, it's that there are going to be surprises uh, in, our, in our week, in our months, next year. There are going to be surprises. And that's what we're looking at today. And in particular, the way that God surprises us and the way that God surprised us uh, 2,000 years ago. So, imagine the scene, if you will. It's um, some 2,000 years ago, and uh, there's an innkeeper and his wife, and they are sitting by the fireside, use your imagination, and they're thinking back to something that happened a long time ago. And they're thinking, what might happen next? Hey, missus, missus. Do you remember that night? That night long ago, the census time. And on the hills, all that snow. Remember the hustle, the bustle and the din. And the people were all queuing to stay at our inn. Oh yeah, strange night. I remember it well. People and animals, the noise and the smell. Drunks were in doorways, weren't they? Do you remember? And yobs were in our yard, yelling for ale, and the faces so hard. Aye, but uh, do you remember that couple who came? Remember the pair? She was a girl, but a girl, with long brown hair, heavy with child, shivering and white. And yet we had no room for them that night. But we gave him stable, didn't we? Do you remember? You put in some fresh bales of hay, and she gave birth there, or so they say. Next day they were gone, without a word. Aye, but something strange happened that night. A star woke me up. It was shining bright. I thought I heard music in the air. And yet, there was stillness and snow everywhere. Oh, not quite, my dear, for I looked out. I saw some shepherds scurrying about. So strange for them to be in town, leaving their sheep on the hills all around. Well, next day, I found a lamb in the shed. The girl, the baby, the man, they'd all fled. A tramp was lying beside the door, and all was as it had been before. Yeah, strange night, weren't it? Have you heard news today? A new prophet has arisen, so they say. Some call him Messiah, some say he's a fake. I wonder what kind of difference he'll make. Do you know, I can't believe it was so long ago. 
That strange night of the census, you know. It must be what, Bayek? Thirty years or more, I'd say. I wonder, where is that child today? Thank you. Give me a round of applause. All right. <laughs> Inspired by a, a, a pub in Ramsbottom, I believe, by the, by the accent. But uh, this is a curious thing. Strange Night was the name of that sketch. The whole thing was strange. Here's a teenage girl living in occupied territory, occupied by a foreign power, forced to go on a long journey while she's heavily pregnant. That's a curious thing. Here's a curious thing. Working men working the night shift come running in saying they've seen some angels. Here's a curious thing. Some professors, some people of great learning come and say they've seen a new star they've never seen before. And so begins that strange story which we've been hearing over the last two, three weeks. And we'll dip into it again today. It's a strange story. Probably the most surprising story the world has ever heard. So surprising, many people don't believe it. They don't believe it. Why would a God so holy so mighty, why would he do that, scurrying around in the dirt with a, with, a, with a girl who's just nobody? Why would he do that? Why would a holy God do that? We will dip into this some more. But first, uh, I, I, I would like to sing the shepherd song, While Shepherds Watched. If you were here last year, we sang it to a different tune. And we're going to do that again. It's a bit of a fast tune. I wonder if anyone could tell me What's the biggest word in the whole world? Yes, there you go. There's a Smile. reminder, right? Smile. Yeah. Did you watch it? Did you see the film? Yeah. Have you? I haven't seen it. Uh, we saw. We went to the cinema. Saw Fantastic Beasts. Found it a bit confusing. I wish we'd seen this actually. So, if you stand, I will try and direct you. It's all karaoke style. It goes quite fast. The main thing is, listen to the music and sing to the music, not what you think we should be singing. And don't start until I say. There's an introduction. Let's see if it works. Stand up. Let's go for it. (laughs) Right. Don't sing until we say. Don't sing. Don't sing. Nice long introduction. Enjoy the introduction. Get ready. Okay, get ready to sing, guys. You ready? Wow, shepherds watch their clock by night, so feces on the ground. The angel lost the walking down and throwing down the ground. They don't say me for my secret. See, they're troubled mine. But I didn't talk with joy, I drink. David's town this day is born of David's life. A Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be the sign. The heavenly baby there shall find his you and Jesus Christ. For in the rats is lost, and in the danger lay. And for with the song of angels praising God, who does suggest their joyful song. For glory be to God on high, and to the earth be free. Good will henceforth from heaven to men begin and never cease. Key change coming up. 
Yes, we could. So now I've got your attention. Children, if you want to come forward, we're going to look at the next surprising thing in this story. So if you're a child under about 12 or 11, come here and sit at the front, and we're going to do something. Quite. If we go on to the next PowerPoint as well, please, Will. Or is it there already? Yes, it is there. Great. So have a seat. And... Uh, no, do, uh, have a seat. I know you are. <laughs> okay. So, um, we've talked about some surprising guests, the shepherds who were quite surprising, some guys who just came in from the field. Now we're going to talk about some surprising presents. Okay. I've got a question. Did you get any surprising presents on Christmas Day? What, what did you get? An, an, an iPhone, and you were not expecting it? That's rather good, isn't it? Something a bit... So anybody get something simpler or cheaper? <laughs> Go on. You asked for one book and you got twelve. That's a surprise. Go on. What were you going to say? I got PS4. Right. Okay. The stakes are going up again. Well, I got something surprising as well from one of my daughters. Right. She lives near the seaside, so she gave me some rock. Oh, that's nice. Got some rock. But can you read the flavour of that piece of rock? No. What does it say? Fish and chips flavoured rock. <laughs> and do you want to read the flavour of this rock? Chicken, Chicken tikka flavoured rock. <laughs> and the worrying thing is, it does actually taste, I tried some, of chicken tikka and fish and chips. If you want to try some, at the end of the service, come over, we will try some, all right? You're not allowed to spit it out, you have to eat it. It's good. It's a f- funny mix, it's a fusion, I think they call it. But... Here's some, uh, here, let me read you the story again of the presents that the wise men brought to Jesus. I'll just read it from the Bible. We probably know it quite well. So, Herod, who's the king, secretly called in the wise men and asked them when they had first seen the star. Herod told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, let me know. I want to go and worship him as well. So the wise men listened to what the king said and then left, and the star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They were thrilled and excited to see the star. When the men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down and they worshipped him. They took out their gifts of gold, of frankincense and myrrh, and gave them to him. Later, they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, 
But they, so they went back home by another road. Now, um, oh, there's a baby. Let's borrow a baby. Here's Mark, right? So, right, if you... Yes, last time we did this, he was sick, wasn't he, my trousers? Just, just last week. So we'll see how we behave. If you were buying presents for a baby, for Mark, right, what might you buy him? Uh, a dummy. A dummy, yeah? A book, a, a little baby's book. You can get them, can't you, where you feel and there's lots of colours. Baby, well, onesies, yeah, yeah. Well, he's kind of got a onesie on, hasn't he? Sort of. But you probably go on one more. A baby jumper. A baby jumper, or some of those things up there. You might get to a teddy bear, or some creams and powders things. That would be nice, wouldn't it? You probably wouldn't get the things that these men brought because we drive by something that's right for the person, don't we? Like when you bought a present for your dad, um, you probably didn't buy him a handbag, right? And when you bought a present for your mum, you probably didn't buy your aftershave. Hopefully not, right? We try and buy something that's right for the person. So if you would buy presents for a baby, you would buy baby presents, wouldn't you? So I would have thought the wise men might have brought some of those things that you said, or they may even have said, let's get them some clothes, some food, something like that. But they actually brought these things, didn't they? And I'm going to have to... Our hands will be too full now, so I'll hand Mark back for now. No sick. That's an improvement on last week. Excellent. Getting there. Uh, here's, the, here's the gifts. Here are samples of the gifts that the wise men brought. Okay. There's, just have a quick look and pass it on. That's gold leaf. Pass it on. This is frankincense, which is little, little stones. Yeah, and then here, they're kind of a little bit like the frankincense, but a bit darker. Is, is myrrh. Um, so, gold, I mean, gold's useful, right? Yeah. Who wouldn't want gold? And sometimes, sometimes we just want money, don't we, for a present. Yeah, I, I, I find that. People say, just give me some money and I'll go and buy what I want, yeah? Uh, so, gold would have been great and we don't know what they did with the gold, but we do know that Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus had to go to uh, Egypt, to another country as refugees straight after this. And they may have been there a year or two. So actually, it would have been really useful. If you're a refugee, that means you're in a strange country that doesn't really want you, it's useful to be able to buy things, to be able to buy a home, perhaps some food, things for the home, because they may have been there a year or two. So that was, a, that was actually quite a good present. But what about these two? Frankincense and myrrh. And we can start the, the process, because we're going to... Do you want to smell some frankincense and myrrh? Yeah. yeah. You don't want to smell it, but everybody else does, all right. So, we are going to have some frankincense and myrrh going. If you're sensitive to that in some way, that's just a warning. It's not going to be swirling with smoke, hopefully, but we'll see. Um, so, frankincense and myrrh, you both get them from a tree. And uh, frankincense comes from this tree in North Africa called a Boswellian tree. And what you do with the tree... You make a cut in the tree, you cut the tree, and then sap comes out. And after a week or two, the sap hardens into little tears, tear-shaped drops. Then you collect them, and that's your frankincense and myrrh. So, um, yeah, it ends up looking like this. Like, or, or this is a rock of myrrh. Um, now, frankincense is used for medicine, medicinal purposes. 
um, but mainly because of its beautiful smell. And in fact, uh, sometimes people didn't have that many baths, uh, showers, right? You probably have a shower every day, more or less, right? But they would have just used some scent, and frankincense is one of the scents that they may have used. Myrrh was used uh, also for its healing properties. It was also used to treat bodies before they buried them, and also for its smell. Frankincense has a kind of a piney, lemony smell, uh, and myrrh has a, a more woody, uh, earthy smell. Well, not, people often don't like the smell of myrrh. Um, but let me... So it will probably take about five minutes now for these to get going, and we will have a smell of them. But before that, let me tell you about smells in the Bible. Okay, Bible smells. Smells are important. Do you... Uh, I, I don't know if you're like me, but you might sometimes find that smells can help us remember something. Have you noticed that? A smell can just take you back somewhere. When I was at primary school, we had a schoolyard out on the edge of a town with some fields, and there was a power station just opposite. And on a certain day, just at times of the year, when the air's a certain temperature, and there's a smell of fields in the air, I can just be right back there and standing in that schoolyard, just from from the fragrance in the air. Smells can help us remember. Smells were, there are lots of smells in the Bible. Here's a, a passage from the Old Testament. I'll let you read it. But basically, the, the priest at the time had to take an offering. It might have been grain or cereal and, and burn it. And the f- smell, says there, the smell was pleasing to the Lord. And that's a funny idea to us today, that God would be pleased with a smell. Yeah? But the idea was, we present the best we've got in the best way we can present it. Even in the New Testament, we see uh, fragrance and smoke and smells. Interestingly, I only noticed this this week, interestingly, it's often accompanied by an angel. So when an angel came to Zechariah, the mother of John the Baptist, Zechariah, it was his turn to go in and burn the incense. That's what he was going to do. Uh, in Acts 10, when an angel appears to Cornelius, the angel says, God has seen your prayers rising up like smoke, like a memorial offering. In Revelation, there's this passage. I'll just read this one. So another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people and the golden altar in front of the throne, on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God. It was like the smoke was a, was a sign of, of the prayers of God's people. Are we going? You think? So you want to put one over there, say the, the frankincense over here, then hopefully we'll spell them separately. So, go on, Carol, you stand over there. That's great, thanks. We'll have a seat on there, in fact. Um, just to finish then, so um, the idea is you bring the best that you've got and present it in the best way that you can. And that was often by making it fragrant, by making it smell nice. And also this idea in that passage on Leviticus, it's called a memorial offering. It's a memorial, it's saying, remember us, Lord, as we remember you. Uh, The smoke rising was a reminder of prayers rising to God. Now, in some churches, as you know, they still do this. They use incense and uh, they use it a lot. And that's fine and that's good. It's a good thing to do. 
in other churches, we don't use incense, and that is also fine and a good thing to do. There's no right or wrong, different traditions. What we all agree on is there's no need to bring cereal or grains or animals to God anymore because Jesus himself made the final and the perfect sacrifice. So, do you want to have a smell of this one, the myrrh? And see what you think. Tell me, right, Lydia doesn't want to smell it. Nice, not nice. No, a lot of people don't like myrrh. What do you think? Good, isn't it? <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> he hasn't had a smell. He smell it. And now the frankincense. Let's try the frankincense. Hopefully you might like this better. Did you get a whiff of it? Just don't touch it, it's really hot. So we've, we've talked so far about uh, surprising guests on a strange night, surprising gifts with surprising smells, and there's one more to come. But we will sing the King's song as uh, Brian and Carol process in a kingly style uh, to dispose of these, uh, of these uh, lovely frankincense and myrrh elements. So once we get on to the second verse, please... Right, let's stand and sing. Oh, taking the off. We'll take the collection now as well. Not for these. No, don't put it on here. Nice and slowly. Let's just pray as we stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the light that you bring into the world. Thank you, Lord, that the light sometimes isn't as we expect. It's in unexpected places. It's in surprising places. But you always bring light, Lord. Help us, Father, to walk in that light, Father, to walk in the light that you gave us and that you still give us. Thank you, Lord, that we can bring these gifts to you, Father. And we pray, Lord, we only give you what is yours already, but we pray, Lord, you would use it to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please take a seat. So, children, uh, if you want to, there's some sheets, some activity sheets at the back, um, two different ones. And can we get the next PowerPoint up, or is it up? There's two sheets at the back, and if you complete a bit, Carol also has lots of things to smell and to eat. So, as you do something, you can stay there or take it to your seats as you wish. We're going to go on to the, the last part, so it's shorter service today. So we've talked today about surprising guests, surprising people who turned up 2,000 years ago for a surprise. And we've talked a little bit about some of the things they brought, surprising gifts with a surprising smell. Let's talk now a little bit about the surprising God who makes this happen. So here's a question which we've uh, had for the last at least three weeks in our services, in our foyer, or the banner of the front of church. And the question simply says, what child is this? What child is this? And you might think, well, that's an obvious question. Obviously, it's Jesus, right? Why would you ask such an obvious question? It's clearly Jesus. But sometimes the question itself can be an exclamation. The question itself can be the point. There's different ways to ask a question like that. Some questions don't, sim- some questions don't simply have an answer. They, they, they don't simply ask a question. They're about a shout of surprise, an exclamation. If you were to say, 
what a wonderful day was that? How fantastic was that meal? It's a statement, isn't it? It's an exclamation of surprise itself. And so we can think of this question, actually, as more of a statement. If you lost the, the question mark and put an exclamation mark, it'd be, what child is this? What child is this? What an amazing thing was that? Well, how wonderful was that? The question itself is the point. Just as uh, one of our songs we sing, what love is this? It's not meant to be a question. It's, this is amazing. This is too much to take on board. What love is this? And so we have this uh, exclamation of surprise throughout the Christian story, throughout the message, throughout the nativity. What child is this? A surprising God we've seen who works in unexpected places. He loves to surprise by using the foolish and the weak. God chooses a pregnant teenager in occupied territory. God chooses men working the night shift in a field who nobody cares about. And he chooses. They're the first people to hear about the message of Jesus. God works in surprising ways in unexpected places. In fact, uh, Paul will later write in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God loves to use the foolish of things of this world to shame the wise. God loves to use the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Or as, the, or as he says later in Corinthians, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. God loves to take our structure, our hierarchy that we have in life and turn it upside down and to say, actually, this is important to me. What you consider to be nothing, those people that you walk past, that's what I'm, they're the people I will work through. They're the people who will bring you the saviour. God loves to do that. So, what child is this? We can ask. We can say, a young teenager in occupied territory is forced on a long journey when pregnant. What child is this? Born into poverty instead of a palace. What child is this? Where angel choirs visit working men. What child is this where wise men bring gold for a baby, for a poor baby? What child is this? Riding on a donkey, bleeding on a cross. God is not short on surprises. As I said at the start, many people don't believe the Christian story because it's just so surprising, it's so strange. Why would a God so holy and so mighty put aside everything to bring us close to him, to bring us back to him? Why would he do it in that way? With, with nobodies who have nothing, why would he do that? Our Christian, our Christian message, our faith, is the only one which has at its very centre the suffering, the denigration and the death of its own God. There's only the Christian message that would dare to have that. You can't make it up. It's such, such an astonishing story. Such a surprising story. Okay, so one last thing before we go today. We've talked about surpri- the surprises of 2,000 years ago. Let's just spend a few minutes thinking about the surprises to come. What is to come? Because it's easy, isn't it? We can look back at uh, 2,000 years ago and say, yeah, we understand that. Obviously, Mary was going to give birth to Jesus and he was going to come and he was going to do the Sermon on the Mount. He was going to heal people. Nobody knew that at the time. We can look back through the Gospels and we can understand these things with hindsight. But what about looking forward? That's a little bit harder, isn't it? Because those surprises we haven't had yet. Here's a picture why don't you just look at this picture for a minute and I'll ask you a couple of questions. 
or tell me, I'm going to ask you how you feel about this picture. How does it make you feel? Any suggestions? There was hopeful here. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. Um, where do you, I mean, I that's a rhetorical question. Where might this path lead? Somewhere good or not? A lot of people would look at this and say, well, it's a bit, you know, there's a bit of gloominess going on here. I don't know what might be behind these trees. Other people, like two or three of you, have said, well, there's something ahead that I can see which is golden and glowing, and that gives me hope. It depends on how you look at the picture. And for sure, this year, there are going to be paths and we won't know where they lead. We don't know what will happen. We don't know where we'll be this time next year. Where might our paths lead? Will we be moving schools, moving jobs, moving home? Perhaps we will be leaving people. But perhaps new people will be coming into our lives and there'll be new things, there'll be things to look forward to which we don't know about at the moment. And there will be good surprises as well. Perhaps things will change at work. And how do we deal with those uncertainties? How do we deal with uncertainties? There was once um, an, an elderly lady and uh, she used to go to Holiday at Home. I'm sure most of you know what Holiday at Home is, but it's a, it's a gathering for elderly folks and they meet up here at this church once every two months, have something to eat, have some entertainment, some activities. And sometimes they go on a trip. So this was a Holiday at Home trip and they went off to a lovely stately home And there was an elderly lady there who who was okay, but she needed a bit of help. And she, unfortunately, was straggling behind the group. She started smelling the fragrances of the flowers, saw a path that she thought was the right path and wandered off down it, went over a bridge, went into some trees and thought, I'm lost. Where am I? I don't know where I am. And she found herself in a completely new garden. It was a small garden that she didn't know about at all in this stately home. She went to the end of the garden. She was getting a bit worried now. She wanted to find her group and get back to them. At the end of the garden, there was a middle-aged chap sat on a bench with a tweed jacket and a straw hat. He was sunning himself and reading the paper. So she went up to him. He was very calm and said, have a seat, get your breath back, which she did, and she told him what had happened, but she was very agitated. She wanted to get back to her group. And then, just over the wall from where they were, she could hear her group. She said, that's my group, I can hear them talking, I can hear them talking and laughing, I want to get back. The the fellow was still quite calm, she was getting cross now, she said, well I need to get back, so she set off the way she'd come, in a hurry, as quickly as she could go. But the man said, hang on, hang on, come back. And she came back, and he brought a key out of his pocket, and he showed her a door in the wall that she hadn't seen before, it was covered with creepers and vines. And he opened the door, and there she was back with her group. He went back to sun himself on the bench and she joined her group. She was quite flustered and didn't think to say anything until later when they were sitting down and she said, oh, I got lost and this chap helped me out and she described him and the official guide said, oh, that was the Duke. He owns this whole property. He owns hundreds of acres around here. That was him you met and he let you through. And sometimes... We need to be prepared to go in a direction that we don't, didn't expect and to put our trust in one who sometimes we don't find it easy to trust. 
One thing that strikes me about the Christmas story when we look at the people involved, they were all in some way vulnerable. And so vulnerable is a negative word today and we think, oh, we don't want to be vulnerable. But there's a good way to be vulnerable as well, a good way to be open to God and to say, I don't depend on the things, in, the things that you've given, the things in my life, my exam results or my job or my money. I'm going to try and depend on you. I'm going to try and make myself vulnerable. Um, in fact... Uh, isn't it in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul uh, has some problem? We call it a thorn in his side. We don't know what it is, an illness, and he prays that God will take away this thing because it's really bothering him. And God's reply is really interesting. God, three times, he says, three times I asked the Lord for healing, and three times the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And the next line, because my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in your weakness. It's only when you're weak that you will really depend on me. That's when I can really use you. And so Paul says, so I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses because when I am weak, then I am strong. And this kind of vulnerability isn't easy because we surround ourselves with comforts and with insurance policies and bank balances and that's part of our, our, our culture, our life. We're blessed to have those. But we can equally become dependent on those, very easily. All of us, me too. Some of us feel vulnerable with a path like this, but the surprises on the, in the Christmas story depended on people in their vulnerability de- needing God. They had nowhere else to go. They had nothing else. No one else was telling them what to do. So they went with the angel, they went with God. God works surprisingly more often than we think. And surely... Um, The thing about a picture like that, whether it encourages you or discourages you, is not, is there somebody hiding in the shadows or is there a wonderful glow at the end? It's, who am I going with? Who will accompany me on this path in 2019? And if there's anything that we should strive for this year, let's strive to make more room for Jesus in our lives. That's worth striving for. All the other things that inevitably we are pushed to strive for, at work, even at church, in our streets, let's strive to make more room for Jesus. Two ways we can do that, I think, this year, any year. One is to be grateful, to exercise gratitude. I see more and more secular studies now they say gratitude is good for us. Being grateful is good for you, psychologically. But we've always known that as Christians. We should always be giving thanks. Uh, giving thanks should be part of what we do. Um, flood your life with gratitude. Be grateful for the things that you do have, the health that you do have, the people you do have around you, the jobs, the things to do that you do have, rather than focusing on what we don't have. And then secondly, to try to be open to God using us, to the uncertainty. God can use us users at the edge of our certainty, at those times of uncertainty. That's when God can use us. And the God who surprised us 2,000 years ago will continue to surprise you in 2019. Let's pray as we end and we will sing once more. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of surprises, Lord, that you surprised the world 2,000 years ago in a way that nobody expected Lord, we want, Father, we want you to surprise us in this year. We want, Lord, to depend on you. And we pray, Lord, you would make us a more grateful people, a people, Lord, that looks to you 
in our uncertainty that looks to depend on you. We pray these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.